Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, March 5th, and welcome to episode 97 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am not coming at you from the normal factory where I do all the work here. I am in a hotel room because I am heading to Pittsburgh tomorrow to follow the Blue Jays to go see them play at PNC Park. Very excited for that. But Riley, you are back in your main spot, and you are here with us as well. A lot to cover on the show today for the Toronto Blue Jays. We got swept by the Boston Red Sox in four games after dominating the Red Sox all last year. This is not what we wanted to happen for our Toronto Blue Jays. We will dive deep into all that in this episode. Plus, we have some injury updates, some prospect notes as well. But Riley, first, how are you feeling, man, after that series against the Boston Red Sox? Oh, buddy, that is a tough pill mm-hmm. to swallow. You, you said it, man. We absolutely owned the Red Sox last year and even in, even in Fenway. So to go into Fenway with really high hopes at a time we really didn't need to get swept. You never want to get swept in a, in a four-game series, obviously. But it's it's tough, man, with the games coming up and everything like that. You want to sit pretty in the division. And the Red Sox were not the team to lose four straight to. I'm sorry mm-hmm. that maybe in August we're not going to be fighting with them. But we might look back and think those are pretty important games i mean we both called it we wanted at least a split and we got nada we got zilch yeah, we got nothing so obviously you don't feel good about it jesse not much more we can say other than let's kind of tear this thing down and and since see what the hell went wrong yeah we'll get into more of the details and stuff including what was some horrid pitching performances from the toronto blue jays as well but first, like Riley, do you remember two episodes ago when we were sitting here and we were talking and thinking, hey, I feel really good about this Toronto Blue Jays team. We seem to be pitching well. The bullpen was doing good. We were fielding quite well, too. We were having clutch hits. Everything seemed great. We noted at the time that baseball is a game of turns, twists, ups and downs, that it wasn't going to stay that way forever. But boy, did it really feel like it came crashing down hard on us in this series. Yeah, crashing down hard, man. Like that's it it starts with it starts with pitching and we didn't really get a good performance out of any of our starting pitchers and our hey our offense did our offensive things today. We didn't really accumulate the hits. Boston Boston's offense brought it. I thought their pitching had nothing for us. We dropped the ball with runners in scoring positions at times. We might have bailed ourselves out pitching wise mm-hmm. when they had runners in scoring position, but still you look back at it and when you drop four games, I mean, yes, like there's an element of lock in baseball and you're not going to win. You're not going to sweep every four game series. But to be swept, there is definitely some luck involved, but there's also poor play. And I think that's the majority of what happened here, Jesse, is our pitching just didn't have it for these Red Sox hitters. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more here. But first, I want to say, especially coming off that last series against Seattle, that last game where we blew it dramatically late, like those bad losses can really set the team into a funk. And that seems to be what happened here. But let's get into the game recaps. For those of you who might not have been able to watch every game, we'll run through what happened here. First game of the series, the Blue Jays lost this game 6-5. to five. They got down 2-0 in the first inning, but then Bo Bichette hit a three-run home run in the top of the second. Jays took a 3-2 lead into the sixth, where they gave up three of their own, but were able to take the lead or to tie the game in the top of the eighth until Jordan Romano gave up a home run to Alex Verdugo to give the Red Sox the walk-off win and win game one. In game two of that series, the Blue Jays also lost this one by one run. It was seven to six. Yusei Kikuchi kind of struggled, gave up individual runs in the second, third, and fourth inning. Then the Jays exploded for six in the top of the fifth, thanks in part to a Dalton Varsho three-run home run, but the bullpen couldn't hold on again. We gave up a solo run in the eighth and could not muster any more as the Blue Jays lost that game seven to six. Game three, the Jays lose this game eight to three 
This was a nasty game in Boston. A lot of rain, a lot of cold and stuff in there. Alec Manoa was cruising in this start until he got hit with a pitch uh, or he got hit from a line drive that hit back to him and just kind of fell apart after them. The Blue Jays didn't do much favors behind him either, committing four errors. Jays lost this game eight to three as the Red Sox blew it open in the middle innings. And the game that just happened this afternoon, the Blue Jays, I think it's still in progress here, but the Blue Jays are currently losing 11 to five. So we figured it's probably safe to talk about it here. Kevin Gosman was not at his best. He gave up 10 hits. And one walk, only four strikeouts, and he didn't make it out of the fourth inning for Kevin Gosman, his worst start of the season. And uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., though, a positive, hit a home run in this game, and that's really all that the Blue Jays can muster on offense. So as things stand after this series, after getting swept, Riley, the Blue Jays are currently 18-13. and 13. That will go to 18-14. and 14. We'll be eight games back of the Rays. We're still sitting third place in the division, but we'll be tied. With, actually, we'll be fourth place in the division because the Red Sox are going to move up half a game here on the Toronto Blue Jays. So... Riley, let's get right into it, I guess, then. I guess the pitching performance was the main down thing, and uh, you can talk about them individually you'd like, or you can talk about them as a group. Go on ahead. Well, let's talk about them as a group to start. And the mm-hmm. thing was, we didn't – I mean, it's unfortunate what happened to Benoa, but we didn't get a lot of innings out of our starting pitching, and our bullpen really was not a supporting cast for this Toronto Blue Jays team on this on this series in, in Boston. I mean, our bullpen – as bad as our starting pitchers were, we were not complimented by a good bullpen. And um, you didn't mention it um, today, Zach Pop, uh, the – I caught Zach Pop. He was limping off the mound with something. Ooh, so we'll, ch- we'll check that. We'll check that, and I'll probably let you know next episode what goes on there. But our relief, our relief pitchers were meh. Our starting pitchers were meh, and you combine nine innings of you know not really good quality pitching, and you're not going to get much. Barrios got hit hard. Kikuchi struggled a little bit. I actually thought Kikuchi didn't do that bad. I still think he's got nasty stuff. I still thought the Red Sox brought it. Um, and Manoa obviously taken out, and he didn't have his best stuff either. I feel like he bailed himself out. with He, he let a lot of runners on. He was mm-hmm. really lacking control in his appearance. And then Gosman today, hey, look, it's not going to happen often. We were just praising Gosman to the high heavens about his last start, and he put up some crooked numbers in that one. And now he's probably he went from having his best start of the season to now his worst start of the season. So, I mean, level with me, Jesse. I mean, you pick a bad, you talk about picking a bad time to have kind of a blow up. Our starters kind of decided that, hey, you know, let's take a day off from pitching, not go seven innings, any of us, and then tell the bullpen, hey, let's flounder a little bit. And then the Red Sox walk all over us because those weren't games where they won by one run and the score was four to three. I mean, they put up double digits today. They put up eight runs the other day. Like the Red Sox put up runs and our pitchers just simply did not have it. That is starting pitching. That is bullpen. I know it starts with our starting pitchers and none of them had it. And we were not complimented at all by a good bullpen anywhere. And that is coming off the series in Seattle, too, where we had two extra inning games in there. So our bullpen had to work quite heavy, especially our high leverage guys, Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano, threw a lot. And Riley, I want to go over the individual pitching lines for all four starters in this series. Jose Barrios, five and a third innings pitch, 11 hits allowed, five earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Gave him a game score of 23, his worst start of the year. Yusei Kikuchi, four and a third innings pitch, nine hits, five earned runs, no walk, two strikeouts. Also a game score of 23, his second worst start of the year. 
Alec Manoa, and I want to dive in a little bit deeper onto Alec Manoa's start here, but his official line, five innings pitched, eight hits, five runs. Now, only two of those were earned because the Blue Jays did play some poor defense behind them. One walk and three strikeouts, but there were some interesting things to come from Alec Manoa in this start. Um, He threw 103 pitches. He only got three swinging strikes, Riley, and that's like Alec Manoa was never the biggest strikeout guy anyway, but only three swinging strikes on 103 pitches. That seems concerning. Now, it was cold in Boston, right? We saw lots of times Alec Manoa had to blow on his hands and, you know, he couldn't really get hot, which might have something to do with it and could explain also why he only used a slider 14% of the time in this start, which is the second lowest he's used the slider in his career. But I guess Alec Manoa hasn't been that great this year either. On a scale of one to 10, Riley, give me a concern level for how concerned you are about Alec Manoa. I mean, at this point, it, honestly, it's probably like a five or a six now, yeah. Jesse. I mean, to start the season, I mean, we look, we really did look at the the numbers that were kind of weighing in against Manoa. And I know it was kind of conspiracy theory for me. I really didn't pay them too much peace of mind. Honestly, you watch what Manoa did in his first two uh, big league seasons, and and then and then this happens. I mean. Yeah, okay. So now we'll talk about I actually have concern for what's going to happen when Alec Manoa toes the rubber and the swings and misses, man. It was something that he he did. I mean, he pitched in the All-Star game last year and made some of the awesome. best hitters yeah. in the game look look stupid. He was amazing. He was I mean, like hey, third place in the American League for Cy Young voting, that immediately grants you a top three you're a top three pitcher in the american league we are not getting that same alec manoa this year and it shows man it shows i mean there is no way he should be throwing that if he's throwing 100 pitches that should be alec manoa in like the seventh or eighth inning Mm -hmm. of a ball Mm -hmm. game where he's cruising where he is cruising but that is that is no not that that's not the telltale man and i felt like you know he hey it was an emotional game the whole verdugo thing i don't know there was definitely some animosity going on he says he likes to pitch with hype and i like that hey you know what if you're going to be out there and be beast mode or whatever you want to call it and and you know pitch with pitch with swagger and pitch with emotion that's great but you gotta back it up and he really didn't in this game and i mean if, if you're asking me, I would think he probably pitched too long anyways um, in the ball game. I I was screaming that they needed to get him out way earlier. I said that I said that two times in this series, once with Barrios and the other time with Manoa. And eh, I thought things would figure it out with Gosman, but whatever. But with Manoa, yeah, I'm about a five or a six on my concern level because now you're actually starting to see those those predictions become a reality and we're getting less frequent quality starts out of Alec Manoa who was our opening day starter a first round pick I mean someone that is going to be potentially a franchise pitcher for us so for him to falter right now is is definitely not what the Blue Jays need and definitely not what we predicted as uh, media guys or Blue Jays fans whatever you want to call us Jesse (laughs) but we need more from Alec Manoa especially for you know, if we're gonna have a dogfight for this crazy good American League East, we need Alec Manoa to be the Alec Manoa last year and when he finished third in Cy Young voting. So I agree with you with John Schneider maybe leaving um, these pitchers in too long, but I think he had to because the bullpen had been taxed so much early in, in uh, this series prior and then in these games here. Um, Alec Manoa looking at his season line, 
his walks are up, his home runs are up, his hard contact is up. It all leads to a 471 ERA on the season with an expected ERA of 692. That is disgusting and not in a good way for Alec Manoa. And just really quick, give me a thought on this. This is three seasons in a row now where the Toronto Blue Jays have had somebody in their rotation grossly underperform. This year, it's been Alec Manoa. Last year, it was Jose Barrios, who looked like a like one of the best pitchers in baseball the season before just to have that season he had last year. And the year before it was Hunjin Ryu where his stuff just kind of fell off apart. So do you have a concern about that or is that just, Hey, it's baseball. Sometimes that's going to happen. Every, every year, every year in baseball, there are some guys who come out of their shell, uh, maybe a 15th round pick from 2018 will, will come through and, and make his big league presence known. Uh, and maybe a veteran falls right off the charts. And then you got a guy like the Drew Maggi out of Pittsburgh who makes mm-hmm. his way at age 33 with a big league appearance. Uh, baseball's weird, man. It's such a wide it's such a widespread sport and there's so many players in each organization that someone is bound to meet expectations and someone's bound to fall well below expectations. Now I don't predict Manoa to fall well below expectations, but I mean, I hate to say it, Jesse, like I had him for my Cy Young pick, even ahead of Gosman. I've kind of want to revoke that right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I just want quality starts out of this man. And I think, you know, anything around a four ERA to end this year would be awesome. I still think there is much hope in Alec Manoa's game. Like, I think so too. Don't get I, me wrong. He's going to be okay. But I mean, it's kind of got it. It's got to improve. It's got to improve. He will be okay, but he's really, really got to string together some good quality starts here, especially in the upcoming series. All right, let's take a look at the offensive side of the ball now. And speaking of things that need to improve, Riley, remember you and I spent all offseason talking about how the Blue Jays just got more and more left-handed balanced. We thought there was going to be some nice balance in the lineup with the additions of Brandon Belt, of Dalton Varsho, Kevin Kiermeyer, and all these. And Riley, it's pretty safe to say about a month into the season here that it just has not worked. Here are the Blue Jays' left-handed hitters as a whole. We're hitting 201, 275, 337, which stands for a 611 OPS, which is only better than the lowly Oakland A's, and it's only better by .01 of a point. Their 72 WRC plus for the Blue Jays' left-handed hitters is the worst in baseball. So... Unless you really think Brandon Belt is going to get better, which he might, or Kevin Biggio is going to get better, which he might, but you know, we'll see. Um, I don't know what else you can do. I guess you could look at maybe Spencer Horowitz in the minor leagues, who has got an OPS over 1,300 in his last five games, a left-handed hitter. But other than that, you are hoping for vast improvements. And I think it's telling, too, that in game one and two of this series, when John Schneider was making the lineups against like Nick Pavetta and some right-handed pitching of the Boston Red Sox, Kevin Biggio and Brandon Belt weren't in the lineup. I think John Schneider has realized they're best with their two catcher tandems, one of them at DH, instead of putting these lefties in the lineup right now. I mean, if you haven't noticed by now, Jesse, we are probably one of the least Southpaw-friendly teams in all of baseball. I mean, look in the bullpen, look at our starting pitching, look at our bats. I mean, we're all right-handed. It's a yeah. right-handed savvy yeah. team. And yes, Jesse, hey, I agree, man. Like you can you can go down and look in into our organization and there's some very good left-handed bats that are up and coming, but you want to talk about making an impact in the game. It's it's funny. I don't know the trajectory on what Brandon Belt is going to do. And it's tough to say if this was 2016 in in Rogers Center what would Brandon Belt do as a Blue Jay? That's a hypothetical and I don't even know how to answer that question because we're going back to old dimensions of the diamond anyways. Right. Let's just let's pretend his on-base percentage is better just to start things off. Um, you got a guy like Kevin Biggio, who is pretty well just a platoon guy right now. I think with me, 
I think righty or lefty on the hill, my comfort is with Whit Merrifield. He has yes. had a very good start Agreed. to the year. And, I mean, he is kind of turning back the clock. He struggled a little bit last season with us, especially for the power numbers. I think he's definitely more of an on-base guy now. His base running is still, as far as our Blue Jays go, very much top of the charts. And the defense, again, defense for second base, if you play in the MLB, good for you. But second base, you don't need the most elite defender at um, I mean, Witt's got to be the guy. I would, I, hey, I would have loved to see improvements by Biggio made three years ago, but he had his best season in his rookie campaign, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he's going to even repeat that, man. I don't know. I think his he's at the end of his leash as far as that goes. He's been given these opportunities and more or less floundered um, when he's stepped up to the plate literally and figuratively. He has not met expectations of, of any sorts, Jesse, so I don't know. It was good. Hey, and for the last lefty bat, Good for Varsho. He's batting yeah. where he should be in the middle of the, this order. Then um, the power's coming. He finally strung together some hits. And, I mean, it's Dalton Varsho. We went from having an outfield that was not very good last year defensively to having arguably a top three defensive outfield for this Jays team. And Varsho has not played one inning at catcher this year. I don't know if he will, but there's another option there. I mean, he's a very versatile guy, and it helps when he has the speed he does, the defensive tools he has. He's a four-tool guy, clearly. Um, You would just like to see him get on base a little bit more if he's hitting in the middle of this Toronto Blue Jays lineup. Yeah, so I got a few things. First on Dalton Varsho, in game two of the series, he had three a string of three at-bats in a row where he hit baseballs 98 miles per hour or harder. One of them was a flyout, one of them was a double, and then he hit his home run at 106.6 miles per hour. I still want to see Dalton Varsho hit the fastball. That home run he hit was off a looping curveball from Nick Pavetta. Now he crushed it, in all fairness, but I pitchers have been trying to get Dalton Varsho out with the high fastball, and I'd really like to see him make the adjustment and be able to hit that just a little better. And going on to Kevin Biggio, Riley, backing up a little bit here, what was Kevin Biggio's biggest strength as a hitter, right? Wasn't it always his eye and his ability to work the count, right? And then be selective and get his pitch, right? Yeah, plate plate discipline, the ability to, I mean, when he was with the Bisons, to draw walks, to not mm-hmm. swing at pitches out of the zone. I mean, he pretty much umpired those AAA games. Yes. I mean, for the most part. Like, if he's taking a pitch borderline and it's not swinging, the, the, the umpire's probably going to trust a Kevin Biggio at that time because he had such an elite eye as a hitter. That... That pedigree, that accolade has kind of wore itself off. And not recently, that's been worn off for, I would say, two and a half, three years now. Right. So Biggio has 50 plate appearances this year. He has drawn just three walks. His OBP is less than 200, Riley. But this is going to complicate matters a little bit because you said he's very patient. He's very good at looking at those pitchers out of the zone. And there's a stat I looked up here that out of 377 major league batters who have seen at least a hundred pitches this year, Kevin Biggio actually has the highest rate of called strikes on pitches that are outside of the zone, which I, I, I can't explain that. I don't know why that is. Biggio still taking the pitches he should be taking. Yes. They're just being called strikes against him. Couldn't tell you why. I have no idea. I just thought that was interesting. I mean, that's just that's kind of just like how, you know, Matt Chapman will lead the league and in, in fly outs to the warning track or right. whatever. I'm sure there's an underlying stat. Baseball's baseball is a game of of numbers and certainly for Biggio in a category where the numbers should be in his favor. I mean, they're obviously not in his favor. So you got to find a different approach. And that was Biggio's big tool. And he doesn't have he doesn't have naturally blessed power. Mm-hmm. He's not in any way, shape or form, an elite defender. And he's not he's I mean, he's quick, 
but he's not he's not a going to be a superstar uh, you know on the base path he's not not a silver spike kind of guy he's uh he's he's in the he's in the top 25 probably for being able to you know with his outfield and infield range and everything like that but i mean if his if his main tool isn't there what is Kevin Biggio. Exactly. Riley, we have spent too much time talking about Kevin Biggio. We still have a lot to get to on here. And I'm going to just lump these three things together. First one, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s power is back. He hit a home run today. He also hit a 450-foot bomb over the monster, which disappeared into the night. It was very good to see on a changeup that was thrown in. It just sped up Vladdy's bat, and he crushed it. Bo Bichette had a five-hit game in game one of this series. It was a second five-hit game of the season. And uh, surprising nobody. Bobachette is on pace to lead the American League in hits yet again. And the last one I wanted to bring up is George Springer here. And so far, George Springer has put 16 balls in play with an exit velocity of over 100 miles per hour plus with a positive launch angle. The expected batting average on those those hits is 729. George Springer's batting average is 375 on those hits. So I don't know if he's just getting unlucky. He still seems to be hitting the ball hard. Here's a quote that John Schneider gave on George Springer. And he said, quote, he's close. George is so streaky. I think it's just one of those games that it's going to get him all back. Those hits are going to and going to drop. He's just a little pull happy on time. So those three players, Riley, George Springer, Boba Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Do you have a thought on any of those? Well, I definitely want to start then because in game one, that's when Bo had his five hit game and he's mm-hmm. been hitting the baseball extremely well. I was, um, I think the most, the thing most in the last four days during this series, kind of on social media, my YouTube discoveries was looking into how well Bo Bichette is at actually hitting the ball to all fields and to all fields with, with power, with, with, you know, with his great exit velocity the other way, his ability to pull baseballs and obviously the 460 foot shot at the Rogers center, leaving the deck mm-hmm. and like, he's got power to all fields. And this isn't like, and an, another thing you can compare him to a guy who led the American league in hits in 2001 is each your own. I'm not calling Bo Bichette each by any means, Jesse, that's but that's comp. another guy who hit the <laughs> ball to all fields. But the, but the comp is, Ichiro really didn't, I mean, based, I mean, his, his batting stance doesn't allow him to hit the ball hard the other way, but Bo Bichette's stance and the way he takes his plate appearances, he is able to hit to all fields with power. So very impressive for Bo Bichette. I mean, I'm not surprised at all by his numbers, Vlad, yes, we need his power. Absolutely. And um, that's pretty much all I got on that, man. I mean, there's a small, a small glimmer of sunlight in this in this series, Jesse, and it's out of guys that we really, you know, needed to show up. And I guess uh, we'll move on to some bullpen notes here. Jordan Romano gave up the home run in game one of this series to give uh, Alex Verdugo the walk-off win. His fastball velocity was down. Now, again, it was cold in Boston, right? It was only 94 miles per hour, so maybe. And he was used a lot in the Mariner series, like we mentioned. But his ERA now is 365, which seems high for your closer. And here's how Jordan Romano has compared in non-safe situations in his career versus safe situations. When it's a safe situation, Jordan Romano's thrown 73 and a third innings pitch. He has a 0.49 ERA, a whip under one, and has only given up two home runs. In a non-safe situation for Jordan Romano, 431 ERA, 138 whip, 16 home runs allowed. Some closers just need the pressure, I suppose, of pitching in with the lead and trying to save the game. And that was interesting there. I also have a note on Nate Pearson here, Riley, and 
I guess we're going to combine the two together here. But Nate Pearson's job when Adam Simber went on the IL was to make sure that you aren't the one that's going to be sent down when uh, Simber and Mitch White are ready to return. And I think he's cemented his spot in this bullpen. Three and a third innings pitch this series, three hits, no earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts, and he's getting swinging strikes on everything. His fastball had a little bit of rise to it, which I didn't really see from uh, Nate Pearson in the past. So Jordan Romano, Nate Pearson, Riley, do you have a thought on any of those two? Well, definitely. Hey, listen, I love Romano. He's been a great closer for us. And um, th- th- these blowups are going to happen. Obviously, just the timing was very, very poor. Um, I think there was a question maybe 30 or 40 ep- episodes ago, and I answered something along the lines of, I think Romano's best season was in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know probably going to be the case here. Now, is he going to have a ton more blown saves from here on out? Knock on wood, I sure as heck hope not. But these sort of things, that's baseball. That's what's going to happen. Um, and, hey, the depth chart is so wide open for a guy like Nate Pearson right now. With a guy, Anthony Bass, I mean – We've talked we've talked about him enough. Him and Trevor Richards. I yeah. mean, as good as their greatest tools are, they are aging guys and they have not shown up. With Zach Pop, who knows what's going to be going on with him? So who knows what kind of version of Simber we're going to get um, once returning? And, like it's it's really tough to say. The door is wide open for Nate Pearson, and if he's going to put up good numbers and and in an appearance, if he goes out. And in this Pittsburgh series and has a good appearance in, in you know, maybe it's a, an inning and a third or it's a third of an inning or like whatever his whatever his line is. If it's good, keep his usage and keep, you know, increasing his usage if he's going to be effective for us, because we need a good bullpen. It showed in this series against the Red Sox mm-hmm. that our bullpen simply did not have anything for these Red Sox hitters. And if Nate Pearson's going to be the guy. It's going to take on higher leverage situations, maybe increasing his usage. You know, every two weeks you see, hey, he's towing the rubber a lot more come the seventh inning. You know, you might see that happen, Jesse, if Nate Pearson continues to be effective for us. And I can't wait to see it all aboard the Nate Pearson hype train. Let's go. We've got room. If you want to jump on the bandwagon, come on, come on on board with us here. Um, I do have a few uh, injury news and notes here. The first one is, as you mentioned there, Zach Pop, he was being helped off the field with his armor on the trainer after suffering a right leg injury. That sucks. Zach Pop was such a good weapon for us. It sounds like he's going to have an extended trip on the IL. Um, Adam Simber threw a 23-pitch side session today at the Blue Jays player development complex in Dunedin, Florida. Assuming he recovers well, the next step for Simber will be facing live hitters and then likely on a minor league rehab assignment. And Mitch White, he's already been on a minor league rehab assignment. He made his first start, Riley. Two and two-thirds innings pitch, three hits, three earned runs, two walks, no strikeouts. He did give up a home run. His fastball only averaged 90.3 miles per hour, is down about three and a half miles, only generated four whiffs on 24 swings on 56 total pitches. Quick thought on Mitch White's rehab appearance, I suppose. Doesn't seem great. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's, I mean, he's... He's going to get past in the depth chart here. There's no yeah. question. I mean, it sucks. We had we had a lot of high hopes, but I mean, since he has become a Toronto Blue Jay, he has really not shown this organization that he can he can bring it. And that's at the MLB level, let alone, you know, giving up, you know, a real crapper at the AAA level pitching in Buffalo. I mean, that's important if you're going to have a rehab start. I mean, you're not going to advance if you can't get over that hump. And for Mitch White, I have a feeling that, you know, he's probably going to remain in Buffalo until he can get stuff figured out. Yeah, likely, honestly. And then I got some prospect notes here, Riley. And 
These ones aren't so great either. Blue Jays infield prospect Addison Barger, who we talked a lot about in spring training, he is on the minor league injured list with elbow inflammation, described as just a minor injury for the 23-year-old. And then we have um, Hagen Danner has been promoted to the Double Hay, New Hampshire. He was sitting as high as 97 on in spring training before a forearm inflammation shut him down. He did strike out five batters in his two rehab innings with the Dunedin Blue Jays. He's one of the top Blue Jays bullpen prospects. He will be reporting back to New Hampshire. And then some of our big boys, Riley, Nate, Pe- or not Nate Pearson, uh, Ricky Tiedemann, he actually left his start today for the Double A New Hampshire Fisher Cats with left biceps discomfort. Apparently, after about 60 pitches, he looked at the trainer, he pointed to his left forearm, and forearm injuries for a young pitcher is never good. Stay tuned on this as we await more updates. And I guess there was some positive. Uh, Brandon Barriera, who is the Blue Jays' first-round pick in this last year's draft, he did some pretty impressive things in his first start in the Blue Jays' organization. Four innings pitch, no hits allowed, no runs. He did walk a batter and got six strikeouts on his 49 pitches. His slider was filthy. got seven whiffs on 11 swings with four strikeouts. The future is very bright for Brandon Barriera, and this was a good start. So between the Tiedemann injury, Addison Barger injury, and Brandon Barriera's baseball debut, what caught your attention there, Riley? Oh, definitely Tiedemann, man. So, I mean, you've got a young pitcher like Ricky Tiedemann. You want to... Listen, I know you want to get him rising through the ranks at a quick rate and potentially be an effective piece for this Blue Jays. Um, but, hey, let's slow her down just a touch for right now, Jesse, and let's worry about, you know, a young 20-year-old dealing with, with you know, a, an injury. Let's say it's even if it's a minor forearm injury, you know, take two starts off. You know, until you're 100%, I don't think that this uh, Blue Jays' future can really risk Losing out to, uh, you know, Ricky Tiedemann having a real setback. I mean, we've we've seen it happen before with a lot of minor league pitchers and injuries. Kloffenstein being really delayed. You know, mm-hmm. he, he might not ever make it up to the big league club. Uh, so you want to be very careful um, if you're the if you're medical coaching staff, Ricky Tiedemann, whoever you are in this and take it very seriously, even if it is minor. I mean... He's a very good piece, um, you know, for New Hampshire right now, obviously. But at the same time, I mean, that's our double A team. The goal is Major League Baseball and yeah, he will agreed. eventually be there. But for right now, his, his biggest thing is is some rest, some ice, some heat, whatever it takes to to get around that injury and get him at 100 percent for sure. And as far as Barriera, hey. Good for good for him. Another young left-handed pitcher in this organization. You would love to see him, you know, rise through the ranks. I don't know if he's going to be at the same level as Ricky Tiedemann as far as his dominance goes. But hey, who am I to say? Let's wait and see what happens. And if that's what he does in his first start, I mean, it's a small sample size, right? Four innings. But hey, he's going to get a lot more of those. And we're here to talk about it, Jesse. That's why we do what we do, man. That's why damn we right, cover God, the minor league right. stuff. Barry area, an interesting one. Our first round pick in twenty twenty. The good news is the Ricky Tiedemann biceps injury doesn't seem to be related to the shoulder injury that he suffered coming out of spring training. So that is a positive, I guess. But just stay tuned and we'll see a little bit more. Riley, with that being said, the Blue Jays continue their road trip. They are off to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I am also off to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So stay tuned for us. We're going to have lots of content coming out from the Blue Jays in this series. I'm very excited to go check out PNC Park. Probable pitchers are going to be Chris Bassett. I don't have him here. Uh, against Rich Hill in Game 1. Game 2 will be Johan Aviedo against Jose Barrios. And Game 3 will be Yusei Kikuchi against Yuancy Contreras. Riley, pick to click. Something you got. Series prediction. How are we going to do? 
I mean, let's hey, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. We just suffered a series sweep against the Red Sox. We're going to interleague play, I guess is what you, I don't even know if you call it that because we play every team now, but we're playing an NL Central team with a surprising Pittsburgh Pirates club right now, a very young team, but a team that's been doing all right, especially for what their payroll is in the guys that they have rostered right now. Um, I mean, hey, I would like to take two out of three for sure. Let's not let's let, let's not get swept. If we're gonna look at this, our, like let's look at our past seven games. Let's pretend this Pittsburgh series is over. We want to be able to. Say, I would love to say we are we are you know three and four in our last seven games, which would mean we sweep them. If we take two games, we are there two and five in our last seven. That number doesn't sound as good. So we really this Pittsburgh series is really important to bounce back, especially because Boston took that half game jump on us. Hey man, I would love to sweep. I would really just – I would like to take – I don't want to be greedy, but I want two games for sure, man. I want Bassett to be – I want Bassett to be setting the tone early. And I would love – hey, Bobachet's on a monster pace right now. I expect another – I called it last series, by the way. I just want to throw that out that Bobachet was going to have a good series. And he, he tallied those hits. He got more than eight hits. I said he'd have eight hits. He got more than eight hits. But I think Bo is going to continue that. And, um, yeah, if, if, if Vladdy can put it on – and uh, and as far as uh, our bottom of our rotation goes, Barrios and Kikuchi, just just give us five innings. Just give us five innings of three-run ball for this series and let our offense do the rest. And then hopefully, hopefully our bullpen can can save the back half of those games and we can walk out of there, you know, with a 66 winning percentage um, in, in, you know, in PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Two out of three sounds good to me, Riley. Sign me up. That'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please make sure to like the video on your way out and subscribe to the channel. We just hit 250 subscribers, so that's a quarter of a thousand, Riley. Well, on our way, not bad for two county kids doing what we do here. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as well. And uh, tell your friends. Leave us a five-star review on the podcast land if you are listening to us out of there. Riley, I have to get this uploaded and ready to go because our bus leaves for Pittsburgh very early in the morning. So stay tuned to all our socials. We'll be sharing lots of stuff on there. I'm going to try to get a picture with Matt Chapman, Riley. So let's see how uh, how this goes here. We'll see if we can do that done. Anything to add before we call an episode, Riley? Yes, when you have that picture with Matt Chapman, take it on your mother's phone. So <laughs> and, and then and then and then on your phone, have hold it next to me yourself and Matt Chapman, and have a have a selfie of me on that on that Perfect. picture. So it looks yes. like I'm in the picture as well with Matt Chapman. <laughs> I would really would really love that. I would really love that. It's good. It's the closest thing. It's the closest thing. But um, yeah, no, Jesse, enjoy your trip, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. PNC Park, one of my more favorite National League ballparks. And, um, of course, let's go Blue Jays. Let's bounce back from this series sweep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Let's go Blue Jays. We'll see you guys on Monday night. Thanks, guys.